Hello, hello. Hey, up. What's up? What's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Priviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a brilliant, brilliant show for you today with an amazing guest, professional athlete and speaker Noah Elliott joins the show. Noah is a two-time Paralympic medalist in snowboarding, and he was certainly a thrill to chat with. He's an incredibly gifted athlete and might have the best hair of any guest we've had on the show. Wonderful long locks. Love it. When Noah was young, he wanted to become a professional skateboarder. And at 15, when he was on his way to making his dream reality, his daughter was born and he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma bone cancer. And he spent the next nine and a half months inpatient at St. Louis Children's Hospital fighting for his life. During his treatment, he watched the 2014 Paralympics on TV and saw snowboarding, which would become his new dream. Noah was able to meet an adaptive athlete who motivated him to chase a new goal that was very similar to his dream of skateboarding before cancer. He learned how to snowboard, worked two jobs, and started a GoFundMe page to help support his dream. And after nine months, he had the support of his local community and the money needed to pursue his goal. He moved to Park City, Utah to train with the National Ability Center at the age of 19. By the age of 20, he made Team USA and qualified, not only the national team, but also the 2018 Paralympic team. With only 18 months of snowboarding under his belt, he competed at the 2018 Paralympic Games, winning two medals for the United States, a gold in bank slalom and a bronze in snowboard cross. The state of Missouri gave him the Certificate of Achievement, and he currently has his sights set on the next Winter Paralympic Games in Beijing. This was an awesome, awesome conversation, and on today's episode, Noah talks about that turbulent year that he had when he was 15 years old and how he handled the seemingly impossible life change of losing a limb. Noah also talks about his internal motivation during that time and what kept him going and why he never felt sorry for himself. And finally, Noah reflects on what he does during periods of uncertainty and how he goes about finding the answers that he's looking for. Truly a unforgettable conversation for me. Noah quickly became one of my favorite athletes and I am super stoked to watch him continue on his journey. The conversation was a breeze, and I felt no one and I had known each other our, our entire lives. Excited for everyone to meet him. So let's go and bring on professional athlete and speaker Noah Elliott, and let's learn. I'm curious just on the activities and sports you participated when you were young. Absolutely. So when I was growing up, when I was a two-legger, um, <laughs> uh, back in St. Louis, the sports that I participated in was mostly skateboarding. Um, I was skateboarding pretty much from the time I was eight years old until I was 16, and that was essentially every day. Um, in between, I did try out for basketball. I was good, but uh, my mom didn't have enough money to continuously keep me in that sport, and so um, that was something I wasn't able to actually join. Um, I did football for two seasons. Um, I was a running back. That that was also very expensive, so I wasn't able to stay in that. Um, so skateboarding was kind of that go-to cheaper sport. All you need is a skateboard and some uh, skate shoes, and you can make it work. And so that's why, um, you know, not only my love for skateboarding, but also it was financially something that we could be stable in. Very true. And some places you can really do anywhere that has pavement as well. You, yeah. me you mentioned, as you quote, being a two-legger. So what was the transition like? Because I know that must have been difficult, obviously physically, emotionally, mentally. Can you just talk about the transition that you faced? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, you know, it's hard to sum up in, in, in a short series of words, kind of the thought process or the things that you start to feel as a human going through, you know, those scenarios. And I think 
for me personally, you know, up until that point, I was such an active person. Uh, and then all of a sudden getting a cancer diagnosis and going through surgeries and um, losing all sports at that point, you know, it really started to make me question who I was. And uh, that was something that I was very young and had to face, you know, I just turned 16. And at that point, I realized that humans associate who we are with what we do. And I think that really changed my outlook on who I was going to be. And so when I got that amputation, I was very inspired to try to be the next best version of myself um, by finding the old me by and creating a new me. So I was kind of combining um, the athlete I once was and taking it to a new place and becoming this new person. And so I think that's what was inspiring me to help me get through, you know, that initial amputation process. Were there certain people that you looked up to that did inspire you, that helped you along? For sure, man. And I think anybody who tells you there's not <laughs> um, is lying. So uh, for me personally, um, when I watched Sochi Paralympics on TV, I got inspired by Mike Shea, Keith Gable, and Evan Strong. But the people who I actually met who inspired me was Brenna Huckabee. I met her in person on a camp for kids with cancer, along with Aaron Nimick, um, another Olympic athlete um, that I met when I was here on a trip to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And uh, those are the people who really inspired me alongside my mom and the people who were consistent constants in my life to, to say, you, you know, you got this and we'll get past this. Um, everyone from my, my parents, my family to the people I was interacting with at school, the counselors, the teachers, um, and the friends that stick by me through that. You mentioned skateboarding being the sport that you were fond of when you're young, and that's a great transition into snowboarding. So when was it that you first found yourself boarding? It was actually, I was a part of a camp for kids with cancer, and I came out here to Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and participated with two organizations. Uh, one is called Steamboat Stars, Adaptive Recreational Sports, and then the other one was the Sunshine Kids Foundation. And thanks to those two, I was able to not only experience the mountains for the first time, but also interact with another Paralympic snowboarder and actually get out on snow. What's an average training day for you like right now as you are preparing for the Beijing Paralympic Games? Man, an average training day right now, uh, well, this is the shoulder season, right? So the mountain just closed yesterday here in Steamboat. So um, no more snowboarding here, but I definitely am going to be adventuring over to other mountains that are still open to get more training on course. Um, or on snow and then outside of that definitely doing a lot of gym work and uh, a lot of mental training too man I think it's very important to focus on not only the physical aspects of, of becoming an elite athlete and staying at that level and training for something but also recognizing the mental strategies that it's going to take to, to pr pursue you to that that goal that you have yeah, that was going to be my next question because you're in a sport that's limited by season potentially and you're not always going to be next to a snow-covered mountain. So what are some examples of things you can do mentally or things you can do away from a snow-covered mountain? You know, I think it's important to realize if you're an elite athlete or even if you're not an elite athlete, what inspires you and what really motivates you to continue to be the best version of yourself and to continue to want to grow and to want to learn and to want to be better. Um, and I think it's important to identify that and continue to chase it because something I've realized is you're never going to catch it, you know, and to continue to find something to chase that's worth chasing, I think is what mentally helps me stay motivated. Uh, but it is also important to take breaks. You know, I've learned that the hard way where I've overworked myself. And I think making sure that getting in touch with yourself, 
at, at the core, which for me, that's going to be going to a lot of camping with my family this summer, you know, getting out there and recouping and getting really in touch with the nature. Well, I love your mentality of continuing to find something to motivate, to go after. So that brings me to the last year, because at times you probably didn't have that carrot dangling in front of you. So how did you adjust to the challenges that, that you face over the last year, especially without the events to train for, without the opportunity to be on the mountain? Oh man, this, this last season has been a tricky one. I think for everyone in the world, you know, it really has been like the whole past year has been a, a challenge, but for me personally to persevere through that season and not really having much time to train, you know, I really was focused on asking questions mm. and uh, trying to take a new approach towards it and kind of getting back in touch with my motivation, which, you know, I thankfully I actually worked for the organization that uh, I went out on snow with for the first time, Steamboat Stars. I'm actually there right now at the office. So um, this winter I got to go out and teach um, more people with disabilities how to access snow sports and adaptive sports. And for me, that was a motivator to remind me of why I do what I do and why I love doing what I do. Um, and the point of I get to help people doing it. What do you love most about teaching others? Dude, the most I love teaching, the thing I love most about teaching other people is the fact that I get to share some of the knowledge that I've learned and I get to kind of be that inspiration or that help for somebody else that I once was given. So being able to give back a little piece of what I was given, I think is huge for me. Um, and that's what I love most about it. You talked a little bit about the mental practices behind snowboarding and it's very exciting, but also with that excitement comes the danger. So what do you do during the week to make sure that you're both focused but also calm when it comes time for a run or an event? You know, I, I think I do, and I, I, I don't think I've put a name to it until just now. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, yeah, I mean, I'm a single father too, so um, when I'm at home, it's just me and my daughter, and I'm, I'm making sure that she's all organized and making sure that, you know, she's my priority and I can get her in the best place for these things. But when I'm actually at a World Cup, dude, I am nonstop thinking about Ron, what my movements need to be. It's constant visualization, which in a way can be a meditation. Um, studying, I mean, I was doing in Italy, for example, I just got back from Italy a week ago. And uh, the whole time I was there, I was, you know, staying late during video reviews to make sure that I could thoroughly think through each movement and what I needed to work on so that I could piece it together the next day. And I mean, I'm talking laying in bed, waking up in the morning, I wake up earlier and just lay in bed for a minute and visualize the same things that I need to do um, that day to be successful. We talked about what it's like to be an athlete during a pandemic, but what's it like being a father during a pandemic? This must have been a whole whirlwind of events and emotions going on for you. Uh, dude, it is very challenging, um, especially with my work schedule and it's just me and her and trying to organize her going to school and when she's not in school because they for a while they're, they're only doing two days a week and and how I had to kind of organize that and work around that and be there for her and give her the support she needs to be successful on a school year um, and for me to be successful at a job, man, is very challenging. Um, it was hard. Still is hard. <laughs> Well, I'm sure many times you were also the role of a teacher. So what were the subjects that teacher Noah excelled at? And what were the ones that he needed help maybe on the Internet to help out his daughter? Absolutely. Um, the ones that I needed help with, to be honest, was math. Okay. Um, certain math uh, strategies I'm not good at because uh, I had a huge gap in my math history. Um, like, I essentially, I got expelled from the eighth grade. <laughs> um, and during that time because I, I was skateboarding so much that you know i was late to school and i got put in iss for a long time and so it put me in a spot where i wasn't able to uh, do the work that i needed to do 
and learn more. Um, like I lived in ISS for about two months during <laughs> eighth grade year, like no joke, like yeah. two months. And uh, it made it really challenging for me to learn anything about because in the RISS, it was like stare at the wall, do your work. So I didn't, and you couldn't really ask for help. So it was, it was challenging. Um, and so leading into current day after my chemotherapy, like I, I definitely missed out a lot on math subjects. Um, I can do math fine, but uh, there's certain points that are definitely challenging for me. Um, and they're changing it so much. Like, dude, you know how many times they've reinvented math? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When it comes to having children, Netflix and TV is obviously been a savior. But with that, when children watch a show, they watch it repeatedly. And you probably heard one show or song or episode all the time, and you probably never want to see it. So what was the most overplayed bit of media in your house? Oh, man. There's been so many. Probably Zombies 2. Okay. That movie, that series, and like every song from it. <laughs> I mean, I could sing every song from the movie. <laughs> like, I'm tired of it. <laughs> I, knew, I knew there'd be something. What do you feel is the biggest lesson you've learned over the last 12 months? Oh, man. Hmm. That is a tricky one. There's been so many, man. Uh, there's been so many, so many different lessons that I've learned over the last couple of months. Uh, from, you know, I think the the biggest lesson I've learned is to adapt to your plan A and adjust your plan B, and that's something that is continuously going to help me, I think, moving forward. Because there's so many times I've set something in stone and then it's changed, and I've had to adapt to it. But then somehow try to make it work back with plan A, um, I think is really important. I love that answer. Throughout your life, uncertainty has been a big part of it. And people often look at uncertainty as a negative thing. Not knowing the answer, people get frustrated. But you were faced with uncertainty many, many times, especially with your illness. What do you do during uncertainty? How do you push through the times where you don't know the answer or don't have the answer? That's one of those times, dude. And this is so funny. That's a good question because like, when, when there's uncertainty around I've learned for me personally, the best thing for me to do is to get comfortable hmm. and have fun and laugh about it because I can't make the answer. Come. I stress more. Me stressing about it is not going to make the answer come, you know, me getting upset about it or me like not stoked on it is not going to change the situation. That's just going to hurt me. So the best thing you can do is try to get comfortable and uh, <laughs> kind of let it play out and laugh. Do you have a go-to song, TV show, book, or anything that you go to to reset yourself to get comfortable? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, the music is always changing for me because I like I go through like uh, phases, you know, of, like of what I like and stuff. But course, like, yeah. I, I love Bob Marley. He's always got good music, um, and it's always good to throw on one of his jams and you just kind of like relax and chill and listen to music and be like, hey, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. Get comfortable for the uncertainty. It's perfect. As you're preparing for the the games in Beijing, what's what's the timetable? What's next for you? What are the events that you've got over the next? over the next year that you're going to be participating in, in preparation? So they're still piecing together the World Cup schedule for next season, but I know for sure that we're going to be at World Champs, which are going to be in Norway right before the games. And I know that I'm going to qualify for the games. I mean, that's something that I'm dead set focused on and ready to do. So um, those are the two big components that I'm looking forward towards because they are constants. They are going to be there. Um, and all the other World Cups may be added, may be changed, may be adjusted, but I know for sure that World Champs and the games are happening, and I know that I'm going to be at both of those. I don't doubt it. I love your mentality and mindset, and I don't doubt it for one minute. You've traveled around the world and seen some amazing ski facilities, ski slopes. Thus far, 
which are the ones that have not necessarily your favorite, but has the strongest emotional connection with you? Ooh, strong. That's a, I like that question. That's a good question. The strongest emotional connection I've had with any place I've ever stood on snow and snowboarded would be New Zealand. Mm, very cool. And why is that? I think it was because it was my first time ever leaving the country. Okay. And then also during that trip, um, it was my first World Cup. And uh, it was my first time, like my first World Cup, I won back-to-back days. Um, and I think just for me, the, the connection that I built with that place and the support that I got while I was there um, was huge. And I think that's what makes it that. Okay, flip side of that question, then what is the location that you haven't visited yet that is at the top of your list? For snowboarding, a place I really, really want to go that I haven't been yet is uh, Alaska. Okay. I, I want to do heli trips in Alaska. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing. <laughs> that would be sweet. Yeah, I've done Alaska, but I, I, didn't, uh, I went in the summertime, so I didn't get any uh, skiing or anything in on that. Going through your cancer, you were going through an age that was very, very difficult, but you were also aware of a lot of things going on. Why did you never say why me and just pack it in and quit why why did you want to continue and pursue things why did, it was because it would have been much easier for you just to say I, i'm done i'm done with activities and sports so many people say why me right yeah and i think i think there was times when i did say that but the thing was is my mom was there next to me the whole entire time that i was going. like she moved into the hospital with me and a lot of people don't get that opportunity and for me, every time I had a question like that, you know, she would look over and say something to me that would remind me, hey, there's more to this than just why me, you know? And I started to try to find a reason, like, and I, and I think, and I don't know if it was something that I created or whatever, but I definitely felt something telling me that there was a reason that I was going through that and I couldn't figure it out. And I knew that all I could do was try to give it the best outcome that I possibly could. And, um, you know, it's, it's too normal for somebody to get down really hard on themselves or really down about something like that. So I was trying to be the opposite because people need to see that. And uh, I was trying to essentially be the person that I wanted to see. Very cool. Be the person you wanted to see, wanted to be. I love that. One of the organizations that you work with is Steamboat Stars. So can you tell a little more about what Steamboat Stars does and why it's important to you? Absolutely. So Steamboat Stars provides adaptive recreational activities to anybody with a disability, which means, you know, we're showcasing what's possible and helping people realize that they can access the outdoors and access sports again. That's a tremendous, tremendous organization. I love that. And I love showing people that there's opportunity. And I think you're a great role model for that. How can people stay up to date with your career and your journey towards the 2022 Games in Beijing? Man, they can follow me on my Instagram uh, at Elliot underscore Sendy, S-E-N-D-Y. And they can follow me on my Facebook feed or uh, keep up with me on TeamUSA.com. Uh, they have my bio there and we'll be posting more articles and things. This was awesome, man. Yeah, no, this was this was great. I, I, I'm super stoked I met you, man. This was fantastic. Absolutely, man. Same to you. I appreciate you reaching out and, you know, definitely keep in touch. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, you're the best. This was this was so much fun. Uh, I'm really thankful for today. So continue to continue to do what you do, man. You inspire a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you. You also, man. Thanks, Noah. We'll chat again soon, but thanks for today. All right. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Fly safe. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Noah Elliott. For more information, check out noahelliot.org. And be sure to give him a follow on Instagram, Elliot underscore Sendy. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. 
Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son. <laughs>